All right, boys and girls, welcome to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the beast from the east, the Sasquatch herself, who we found out is probably Canadian, too. <laughs> um, Tammy the Grr Underwood. Sit up. Sit up pretty. <laughs> sit up pretty. Sit pretty. Sit pretty. Sit pretty. One treat. One treat. That's a good girl. I hate you. <laughs> I'm gonna start scratching you behind the ears. Hi, hi, everybody. So I got I got to share a story. Uh, so today we got a call. We we we've got calls from from Keith. Yeah. <clears throat> but true story. So <laughs> we've all got the, the the phone calls from our credit card companies before that have uh, said, "Hey, this is uh, you know fraud charge." Yada yada. Well, normally whenever I get something from a when, when that one eight hundred number comes up for any place, I go, "Oh." This is one of those fake calls, so I don't. I <laughs> Today's going to be a good day. <laughs> going to be a good day. I'm going to fuck with somebody, right? So it says, "This is the fraud department from," and it gives my credit card company, right? I'm, oh no, this one's serious. Okay, all right. I'm not even upset. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> they go. There was a charge that was just uh, de- that, that was declined on your card in the amount of, and it, yeah, I can't remember how much it was, but. Uh, it was like yes, it was an initial an initialization charge or something like that for sixty some odd bucks for a hooker for an escort service. <laughs> for an escort service. <laughs> and of course, I said no, that's not me because I I'm, I don't have to buy it. Um, luckily, <laughs> and uh, you know, so they I have four on speed dial. No. <laughs> they send me to this um, to the fraud lady, mm-hmm. and she answers. She says, Hi, this is Dottie with. You know, my, my card company. Right. And, she, and she's like, she, I am so sorry this happened to you. Meanwhile, I'm cracking up. You kidding me? This is the best call ever. Let me get this right. Whoever this was <laughs> tried to buy a hooker? Yes, sir. It is. It, it sits for an escort company. Oh, my God. I'm half tempted to let him have the hooker and yeah. go, well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> well, like you and I were talking about, it's like, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> That's the best call Yeah. <laughs> Ever that made my Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! It is just freaking phenomenal. I've I've never been happier in my life. That like, is seriously. so funny. Because like I've had fraud call, calls from like my bank and things like that. Oh, totally. Somebody tried to charge a bunch of money for like this place or that, trying to buy themselves stuff, and then I get pissed. I'm like, dude, go get a job, buy your own crap. Right. This guy gets a hold of my credit card number, and the first thing he goes for isn't a PlayStation. Yeah. Or an Xbox. Yeah, or something for his kids or, for yeah. Christmas. He's all like, woohoo, it's all hookers from here. I'm getting a hooker hookers for Christmas. Hookers and hot tubs. That's what he's doing. Hookers That's and right. hot tubs. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, dude, I want to give you the hooker. Like, for real. I'm like, you know what, sir? Well played. That's, That's right. awesome. You they have won't give me your Christmas? address because I'm afraid I'm going to beat your ass. But you know what? Here you go. <laughs> yeah, like, here you go, man. Have, have a hooker. It's... <laughs> You're keeping him employed. It's the holiday season. You never know that this hooker <laughs> might be trying to buy her kid a Tonka truck or something. That's right. What was that? That's the... Is that the intro? Yeah. That, oh. It's just I'm on a different track. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> no worries. No worries. No, I was like, heard this weird noise. I'm like, what was that? That was my uh, backside rumbling. <laughs> like it has been all well, day. I thought I heard a rumbling. <laughs> And on down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm all born to be wild over here. I'm being gassy. <laughs> Just really gassy. <laughs> you know, and here's here's the thing. Like every time I pass my son, 
I know you do. I Hashtag. <laughs> By the way, he goes, what? Hashtag crop, crop dust. dust. He goes, oh, really, man? <laughs> know, right? Like, for real? What the hell's wrong with you? You have issues. <laughs> issues. I do. I got more issues in Sports Illustrated. You, you do. In the <laughs> swimsuit edition. <laughs> more issues than Playboy magazine. I want to be in the swimsuit edition. I feel no, all no, sexy. We, we don't oh, want you to yes. be in the swimsuit edition. I'll smack my own ass. What the hell's wrong? My son is over here going, I want to see that in a morbid no, curiosity. No, this is why. Because I told you guys about this dream I had one night of Scott. I, I was oh, dreaming that I was over at Scott's house and I was at my computer. And he comes out of his room wearing a tutu and a tube top. And I said, why are you wearing that? And he literally said in his little voice, goes, because I'm fabulous. And I want to see that. <laughs> I woke up going, what? Why in hell is that? wrong with you people? I don't know. <laughs> That's why y'all work for me. That's why. Yeah. Uh, so now I want to see my dreams come true. <laughs> when you wish upon a star. We're just makes being crazy no today because we've had a good morning so far. We have. We had yeah. several calls from, uh, from from Keith that we're going to yeah. separate out into different episodes. Right. Um, two calls at a time and then one just be one. But it, it, we learned a lot. We did. We, we did. We we learned some stuff that I have never seen anywhere else. Right, right, right. It's a good time. So let's get into the calls, and I hope you guys enjoy. Remember, though, just in case I don't mention this at the very, very end, because, yeah, fuck it, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com and check us out on Medium, Crime Beyond Medium, wherever you get your blogs. Send us more emails, even if it's hate mail. I respond to all of our hate mail. Don't worry. (laughs) Like us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Check out our YouTube. What's the worst thing that can happen? I can't take away Christmas from you or anything, you communist bastards. What's the worst that's going to happen? Scott's going to call you a fucktard? Really? (laughs) He calls me that every day. I call my son that, and I actually (laughs) love him. (laughs) Oh... (laughs) I yeah, know, I'm gonna be like, right? hey man, yeah. I don't care what you say, Santa isn't real, and he's not bringing you anything for Christmas. But I'm a lump of coal, fucker. That that makes me sad now. <laughs> <laughs> nah. All right, let's get into the calls. Hello. Hey, Keith, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing all right. All right, and <laughs> there, Merry Christmas, by the way. Well, thank we'll you very much. Tomorrow. You too. Um, there's a I, few there's a few things I wanted to touch back on uh, what we talked about earlier. About oh, beautiful. Uh, my first sexual experience that everyone was trying oh, yeah, to figure was, out. So, yeah, because I was going to come back to that. So, good. Thank you. Well, there, <laughs> there's a couple of issues here. Um, my very, very first sexual experience was in the back seat of a car when I was 15 years old. Uh, I, you know, us boys went out on a, on a, on a trip, and, and next thing you know, I had this girl sit next to me. And telling me that she was my sex kitten. I didn't even know oh. her name. And and we started <laughs> to fondle and play and and I you know, my fingers went this way and her fingers went that way and one thing led to another and, and over a course of maybe twenty, thirty minutes everything got done. And okay. I didn't even know her name. But I do know where she lived. You know, because so you still dropped, don't know her name? I didn't know her name. She just introduced to me that she was my sex kitten. And we mm-hmm. dropped her off at her house. She lived on this this house in behind the uh, Sunset Elementary School. 
And uh, oh. I remember the following day, I went and rode my bicycle over to her house, hoping I'd see her again, of course. <laughs> kind of an infatuation, oh, wow. kind of like. But, but she didn't even want anything to do with me because I was, um, oh, uh, something to, a hurdle to get over to the next one. You know, oh, I was just someone that, that she wanted to, con- I, I was a conquest to her, I guess. She moved you on to the on next her person. Bedpost? Pardon? <laughs> you were a notch on her bedpost? I was a notch on her bedpost, I guess. You know, she wanted there you to. There go. I was just, it, it, there you go. It, that was my very, very first uh, sexual encounter. Now, we we talked about that one at 14 years old when I was over in Westport right. where we were fishing. Now, the the whole trip was the whole key to the whole trip was was about fishing it wasn't about you know seeing girls or whatever like that on the beach um the following morning when she was gone my dad took uh um, vic jacobs and, and myself down to the the port there where we where the charters were going out and we walked down there and this one there was one last boat there that needed one last charter to make it a payable trip and so they, uh, I got on the boat because my dad, my dad gets seasick. He didn't want to go back out there. And Vic Jacobs was his friend, so they were going to stay on, stay on, on shore. And the captain, there was like the, the captain, the helper, and there were six of us then. And uh, the question came up, where do we want to go fishing? Because the rest of the fleet went south, and they asked me. They said, where do you want to go? And I was a kid. I said, well, where, where did everyone else go? And they said, tell us. I said, well, let's go the other way. Let's go somewhere else other than where the rest of the people are going. And so we went north, and uh, we got up about, oh, five, ten miles out, and there's a whole flock of birds hitting the water, and there's a big old bait ball coming up. And, and we all could hook our own, you know, herring and everything like that. So no one was, no, no one was a, a, you know, a, a beginner. And uh, we started catching salmon. And my first salmon was around a, was damn near 30 pounds. And uh, wow. the second one was around 25. And then every time we made a drift through this bait bog, we were, catch, we were pulling out these salmon. They were like 9 to 12 pounds, something like that average. And we were catching all these fish. And the uh, captain called, you know, they, had, they have a code. They called over to the other boats. The other boats weren't catching anything. So we were there uh, in one boat up north catching all these fish that we were bagging, putting in plastic bags. And when we, before we all headed into shore, uh, we met the other boats coming in and they, uh, we handed over bags and bags of salmon to the other people that never caught anything so they'd have something that they could claim. And that was the highlight of that trip. It wasn't about meeting the girl on the beach. Okay. Yeah, I, I take notes as we go too, so, but that's exactly what I put, that to you, it was more about the fishing than it was about that experience. I was fourteen years old. We were yeah. there. We were there to salmon fish. That's what we, the whole purpose was to go over to Westport, right? To salmon fish. Now, actually, I we I paid into the Derby, which meant that, I, and because I had caught the biggest fish, I'd won the Derby, which gave me uh, a, a free weekend fishing or something along those lines. Plus, I got a, a pole and a, a reel. Uh, for, okay. for winning the Derby, and that was wow. that was the that was the highlight of the whole trip. It wasn't about, you know, I remember you know sitting on the beach there with this gal for about three hours around her campfire, but that was no big deal. It was more about it was right. more so, about the fishing trip. 
Right. So when you look back on that time, it's more you remember about the fishing, and it's just an aside. Yeah, I met this girl, and we talked for a couple hours. Yeah. I mean, that was just that. Okay. Now. Okay, wait a minute. I want to say this here that, Tam, you cannot make fun of me for not having uh, any sexual relationships until my late, late You mean your 20s with your cousin? What? Oh, Jesus Christ. No. That was his cat dog. I was like 16. (laughs) Oh, snap, dragon. He knows you. You, you know that Keith and I talk and Have that, you ever that, that we're good to him friends. The peanut butter thing that you always get me on. Okay. No, I, I, I always make fun of my son because it's weird. You go through a lot of peanut butter, and the dog is always following you around. I'm a little worried about your kid. <laughs> but the fact that he said that cracks me up. God. So, but I'm tired over here. I know, me too. Now, there's, a, there's another thing that really has gotten to me over the years since I've been incarcerated. We always we always talk about our legacy. You know how do you how do you want to be remembered? Right. Now we talked about my great uncle Charlie and about his mental in- incapacity and all that kind of crap. Right. That they all laid back on me. The only reason I would know that great uncle Charlie existed was the fact that my father brought it up and, and threw this diagnosis on me, like I should be crazy like him. And then right. the whole story came out about how they just wanted his land. Well. I keep kind of wondering about, you know, in the history of the Jesperson family, what's, what, where are we going to leave us as, as a name? Now, Fred, when right. he died, he left all that money for the hospital to get built, and a little plaque on the side says Jesperson donated the money to this cause. Um, I, I remember, like, my mother my father, and, and they're just memories. They're, but these, who is going to remember them? Who's going to yeah. remember... The Jesperson, they're not going to remember my father for all the, the engineering marvels that he, that he created because there's lots of other people that came along and, and filed patents behind his that covered his up. It all comes down to what's left over, you know, because right. uh, you, you look at your life and, and your, your family and you all, you all, you're living in the moment, you're not living in the past. Correct. So at the very end of this, end of this, the whole spectrum that that the Jespersons have, or are they going to look back? And the only the, the sad part is that the Jesperson family is going to be remembered for the killer Keith Jesperson. Right. That's what they're going to be. That's what, how the family is going to be remembered. Which is, isn't really what I'd like to have the family remembered for. Okay, can I ask you this though? Do you think that that's just in the United States, or do you think it's just as so much so in Canada, where your family's originally from? Well, see, the Jesperson name is actually pretty dominant in Denmark. We have okay. actually there, there are other Jesperson families that probably are shirt-tail relatives of ours that going back hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. There's a there's a ship there's a couple shipbuilders that build yachts. Their last name is Jesperson. I'm sure they're pretty upset of the fact that I'm in here, that I'm tainting right. their name, and they've probably been asked questions against it all the time. So there's a, the Jesperson name is, is uh, has been uh, prominent in the Denmark area, and then, of course, we've, right. we've feathered out over the world. It's, it's kind of like um, they're, they're going to have their legacy, and we're going to have mine, but it'd be, it's pretty sad, like I said, that the name Jesperson will be forever known as 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 uh, a, a killer, a member right. of, of the killer. And that's kind of one of the reasons. That's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to get people like you on the yeah. show. Is because everybody sees the monster. Exactly. 
but they don't see the person. And like, so Keith and I have a mutual friend. Well, we have a mutual friend now. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and her and I talk back and forth. Keith is actually, while everybody's sitting there going, oh, he's a monster, just like, you know, any other serial killer. There's a person there, yeah. man. You know, he cracks jokes. And, and him and I, when we talk even off the air, it's not necessarily about what he's done. We talk about everything from oh, like exactly. truck driving and everything. And he always asks me, yeah, every, every call is, okay, young man, where are you at today? You, that's funny because every time you call me, I say, where are you at, old man? <laughs> I can call him young, though. I know. I was going to say, he's only a year and a half older than I am, but he'll always be older than me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's very strange here. I'm 67 years old. I never thought I'd reach it. You know, I right. came to prison when I was 40. And Wow. And then has it, it been that long? It has been that long, yes. Yeah, 27 years. Wow. And so... You every, know what? I, yeah. Yeah. No, because I asked you that, and then I because you know um, when I got in trouble it was back in December of '93, and I always think back. It's like, dang, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it has. I mean, it's, it's gone. It, it, people ask all the time how how fast has it's gone by, and it's well for the first five years incarcerated. I, you know, we're like a bunch of uh, bulls in a china shop. We're we're beating our heads up against the wall, breaking things. We're trying right. to find our our. Our, our barriers, where we can go, where we can't go. Yeah. So in the system, so that we eventually right. we decide that it's best just to follow the rules, and then uh, everything kind of like runs along just fine. So we don't right. we don't do the contraband, we don't do the gambling and all this other stuff that goes along with prison life. We just mellow out. We just do our own time and, and everything kind of like flows. Well, after the first five years of going to the hole every six months for some stupid thing like, you know, circumventing the mail or something, trying to get mail out, we're, we're, we learn a lot about how how things are run and not run, whatever. And uh, right. we just kind of like to get to the point where we're coasting and the time just rolls along. And so right. the, the following... 20-some years, it just seemed like a blink in the eye. Because True. I've gotten into it. I've gotten into my, you know, routine. It's, it's a routine. It's like watching the movie Shawshank Redemption. After a while, you get, you know, you, you, you get in this position where everything, you, you like these walls. You like to be behind these beaches. You're more protected right. here because everything is just, just flowing along just yeah. the way it's supposed to flow along. And routine, yeah, and it's like know, that's, regimented, that's and yeah, because I remember, because I ended up doing three years, eleven months in the long run, and I remember when I got out, how shell shocked I was that life continued even though I was in there. Because yeah. when you're on the inside, all you see is the razor wire and the walls and everything. You don't see the world moving around you. You see what's behind those walls. So when I got out and everything had changed, I'm like, oh, my God, the world went on without me, you know? Well, well you consider this. Everyone that goes to prison goes to prison uh, listening to certain songs in their life. I mean, they're, they listen to certain music on the t- on the radio. And that's what their, right. their mind is set on that. Now, I remember a guy named Jay Morgan in here. He did a lot of time. And when he died, uh, he had like 72 cassette play uh, tapes of all the music from back in the 70s. Why? Because... He fell in the 70s. He still had newspapers in his cell back to 1972. And yet he, wow. he died in, in 2008 or something like that. It was, it was quite right. a ways down the road. But yeah, it was, 
we we kind of like we've come into a um, a time zone where that's where you live. Right. Now, when I fell, right. my kid, my youngest daughter, was twelve, and I still see her as a twelve-year-old girl because right. I have not seen her since the last twenty-seven years. Now she's thirty-nine. She has a family. Wow. She has two two nice boys from understand, and she's married to some Philippine guy in, uh, from the Philippines, and. She's an RN nurse in Spokane, Washington, wow. living the life, and she still maintains my name. She does not. Oh wow! She still has, she has the not given name? up. She has not given up the Jesperson name. And I think that's weird that you say that because I was talking to hanging on to that. I was talking to my buddy Joel. You know, yeah. Go ahead, Scott, and then I have something to oh, say about that too. I, I was talking to my my, my, my buddy Joel Balthazar uh, just uh, well Thursday, and. Uh, because he listens to the show and everything like that, and uh, and he's turning me on to a few different things that we're researching for the show, and we because he's got a young daughter. His daughter's like I think she's three now, two or three, and you know I, I was talking about my kids. You know I've got a son, I've got a daughter, and in my head, even though my son's not a child, he's, yeah, <laughs> he's still my little right. boy, and my daughter's the same way. She's still my little girl, and it's I think we I think that it, it's easy for us to go into retrospect kind of retrospectively into um points of our life when we were like i don't know the happy right i was just gonna say that the happy yeah. times yeah yeah because like my my 20s was pretty fucked you remember up, your 20s but vaguely there was a lot of <laughs> drug use but i had some of the best times and the most pivotal moments in my like my music part of my career this is why i get a lot of studio work um because of my 20s it was you know no, I was snapping at your son. Oh. Sorry. Oh, the intern. <laughs> I was trying to get his attention without getting... Do what normal people do. Send him a damn message. Oh, I guess I could have. But, um, no, because I was going to say that, you know, because you were, you were just saying how sad you were that the Jesperson legacy will forever be tied to, you know, a killer. However, the fact that your youngest daughter still holds on to the Jesperson name means that she values it somehow. You know I what think I mean? so. Yeah. It's, it's, now, my my oldest daughter, Melissa, of course, she uses the Jesperson name as like a you know as a, as a, right as an emblem, uh, so everybody right. can look at it. So she is the daughter of a killer. She promotes. I was going to say she wears this as a badge of honor, like yeah, you know, she, promotes she doesn't it. like yeah. And and but yeah, because yeah, that's what that says to me. The fact that you know she's married, she has children, yet she holds on to your last name tells me that she values that and she values you as her father as a parent you know well, what i mean yeah well i remember my son back in in the late 90s when he when i actually had talked to him on the on the phone and he says that carrie did not want to talk to me because she wanted to remember me as the daddy that she knew and she wanted right. to hold on to that memory and but she misses me and that but that's that's Aww. as far as she was going to go and uh, that you know, kind of broke my heart to that. I have yeah. to think about all the, you know, the turmoil I left behind. And one of the biggest heart heartache was the fact that my kids were left behind, and I could not see them again right. in the in the same way I could see them before. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy, wow. but that's how it is. And uh, now my son, he's in the army, and he's probably he's close to retiring out of the army. And, uh, right. so and his he, name's Justin, right? His name is Jason Roy. Jefferson. Jason. 
Jason, I knew that. Yeah, my, Jay, just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's, he's a great kid. I mean, but he's an adult now. He's probably, you know, he's probably a staff sergeant major or, uh, you know, or something along those lines, a warrant officer or right up in that area. <laughs> Is he in I the Army know. or in the Navy? Oh, you don't he's know? He's in the Army. He gets, he gets like oh. three years in the, in the Air Force. And then oh, okay. he wanted to, he wanted to get away from being. He's very smart. He's very uh, intellectual. He has. Uh, he's a whiz on a computer. I mean, he just really is. And that's what they right. had him doing in the in the Air Force was programming crew missiles and stuff like that. And and he didn't want to be behind a computer all his life in, in the military. He wanted to go out on the own. And so he he joined the army. He was in the. Uh, oh, what is that? The, I'm trying to think what it is what part of the army he was, but uh, the cavalry unit or something along those lines, where he was okay. out on the field. He's out in the field. And from what I understood is that he was one of the sergeants that uh, got along with all the, you know, colonels and stuff like that. He was, he was the guy they always went to to get things done. Oh, okay. I, I remember he was in the Stars and Stripes. He did a write-up on him in the Stars and Stripes uh, when he was oh, in Iraq wow. War. He was over in Iraq War, and he came across the uh, uh, canal or something along those lines or he jumped on a big old cat to make a bridge or something along those lines. And he always referred that back to the, the, the teachings I gave him running heavy equipment. So I remember I remember when he was 11 years old, we were up at Halton Caterpillar here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, they had like uh, one of those uh, open house days. And I had my son up there, and, and I put him on a little excavator, and he dug a hole and had the little blade on the front of the excavator, and he, he raised up the bucket, went around, he used the blade, and he pushed it back in the hole. And I remember after he got done, a couple of the um, people that had businesses walked over, and he said, can we hire your son? I said, what for? And he says, I want him to teach my operators how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> See, most of the time when That's people run an awesome. excavator... Or, or a backhoe, they want to use the backhoe bucket to backfill their, their hole, whereas the little excavator with the with the little blade on the front like a cat, they still want to use the backhoe bucket to push it in, Where, and that's a, that's a common screw-up by most operators. And, of course, Tim not not knowing how to, you know, he you know was not really into it all the way, but he, got, he jumped on that, and he... Well, this is what it should be because it blades there. We got to use this, and that's what he did. So it was comical. Wow. He was he was all smiles because they all wanted to hire him to go over there and teach their operators how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I pimped him out. <laughs> I've yeah. been the, go no, make you some money. <laughs> yeah, well, he, like I got a new industry here. <laughs> you know, it, we had fun. You know, they had like say the open house, and they put them on all kinds of equipment. I think they had a D9 there that I uh, jumped on and uh, high track and worked on that a little bit. It's, it's, they're really neat. They're, everything is just getting better and better. Wow. Yeah. You still got that cough yeah, being sick I've last this, week, I've man. I've had this cold for, what, 10 days to two weeks, something like that. It just, it's uh, not COVID, is it? Damn. It's just, it's just a cold. It's, it's a cough. Yeah. It's lingering, but I have my voice that... For a while there, I couldn't even get on the phone. The phone wouldn't even recognize who I was. Oh, so man. I couldn't even get on the phone because you, know, you have to give your, you have to give a, a, a set of words, and then it recognize who you are, so they can program let you use the phone. And they wouldn't even let me use the phone wow. for a week. Mm. So 
Wow. Holy cow. It is what it is. changed so much now. Um, But um, I wanted to also go back to, I mean, because what you said just now, like, really said a lot to me about, you know, your character and... um, all the, I mean, in I I got stuck for a second here because I look back on with the you know with the stuff that I went through in my life and I still value a relationship and wish I had the last name of my grandfather, you know. So I kind of see where she your daughter's coming with keeping your last name. Um, but I wanted to also go back to because um, a lot of the articles that Scott and I read and is as far as the books that he's read, said that you were socially... What was, what's the word I want to use, Scott? It kind of socially inept. Thank you. Inept. I didn't want to be... Yeah, so did you find yourself to be socially inept, or did you just find your... Did you just feel, like, awkward around certain people because, you know, of your size and your... You know what I mean? Well, I kept to myself. Because you are a rather tall man. Well, yeah, but we ha- I had a certain number of friends. I didn't have... You know, I didn't have, uh, right. uh, you know, I remember the one uh, uh, one person talking about how um, I, I could be generous one moment and then stingy the next. Yeah, that's and, what I, one of the things I was going to oh ask God. about, and too. So, I just reread that damn book. I'm trying to bring this up, and, and, and I'll tell you who, who actually probably said that. Without anyone else telling me who said that, I'm going to tell you who said that. And a guy by the name of Terry Nelly. That's who's that. Terry Nelly? Terry Nally, he's a guy that went to high school with. Uh-huh. Okay, and I'll tell you why he probably said that. Now, in my sophomore year, now this is this is kind of funny in a way. It really is. In my sophomore okay. year, um, they have the ASB cards, you know, the, you know, the student body cards. Right. And now I had a, I was working work in my dad's factory, so I was making good money all the time. That's how I bought my car and all this other stuff. I wasn't the privileged. Um, girl that got the new Mustang when she turned 16, right? Cause daddy you weren't a trust fund baby? Because <laughs> daddy, daddy would give it to her car. Well, I was the guy that had to go work for my car. Same as my brothers right. and everything. Now, in high school, we, they had the ASB card. Now, Terry Nally came to me one day and he said, hey man, can I borrow $6? That's how much it cost back then. $6 for the ASB card. And I said, well, okay. Uh, he said he's going to pay me back in a couple weeks. Well, I give him the six dollars. Two weeks goes by and nothing. Right? Half a half a year goes by and nothing. I'm fine. I just get tired of asking. So I just, the end of the story. We're not going to quit on this, right? Come the twenty-year high school reunion, right? At the twenty-year high school right. reunion, uh, we're supposed to make a beer run to the store. So Terry says to me, "Hey, hop in. Let's go down to a beer run, right?" So we go to the store, he hands me a $100 bill. I walk in the store, I buy a six-pack of beer, and I walk back and I set it in his lap, and I got his change in my pocket. And I said to him, I said, you remember that dollars you owed me for that ASB card back when we were sophomores in high school? And he said, well, yeah, I remember that. So I just got paid back plus interest. <laughs> and I kept his Fair change. Enough. I kept the change of the hundred dollar bill. He got a six pack of beer. Now he went back. We went back to this, to the reunion. He was so pissed off. He was telling people how I got over on him 
forgetting, you know, I held on to this idea that he owed me $6 from back when we were sophomores in high school. And he started complaining to the other students there. And the other students said, hey, wait a minute. What about me? You borrowed for me, too. <laughs> right? And he, he got so upset. He got so upset, he left the reunion. Because oh, people were uh, on him going like, yeah, you owed me. I said, they started, had some of them come over. Hey, can I get some of that money you got from him? And I said, no, go get it yourself. Go get it yourself. Yeah. I'm not I'm not your. Go take him to get some beer and keep the change yourself. Yeah. Say, take him for a beer ride, man. <laughs> this could work out good. <laughs> yeah, so that's who I, I when, when, I, when that came up, when someone was talking about I was really nice one moment and bad the next, I was like, that's got to be Terry. You know, it's got to be that Terry Nally wow. character because he, was, he held that grudge after I got my money back. Yeah, they gave a different name in a couple of different books. Uh, yeah, but well, they, they changed their name to That's protect That's what Keith the and I, yeah. Keith they and I talk about, that they changed the name the of people. Name, but, you know, he was a, this guy there was like, like I say, they chased him. He, he got tired of people telling him, hey, man, you owe me too. So, yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> now, the wow. problem was, is I have a good memory, and that's what happened. I held on to that idea that, hey, wait a minute, this is the opportune time I can get even. <laughs> right, no doubt, yo. Yeah. Um. So now I do have another question for you. Since you brought up the twentieth reunion, is it true that d- one of the later reunions, when you were in prison, you wrote your classmates a letter and said, "Well, I kind of preoccupied at this time, so I have other arrangements. I can't make it." Yeah. Okay. Because I was just know, wondering if that was true. <laughs> well, uh, there's a guy named Mike King. He was our um, uh, class president, or the one that kept track of all the uh, reunions right and I, I wrote I, I wrote to him and he's in Yakima Washington I, I, I got his address at one point and I, I wrote him I said I have a prior arrangement prior engagements so I cannot make it <laughs> I would see because when it was presented on this documentary I watch I actually laugh because I'm like oh my god that is something classic that people wouldn't normally think to say. Well, this I want to point this out to to our listeners too is this, this is a good example of what I've been talking about is that you know while while most of you people out there and I want I don't want to you know say anybody name but anyway um, you guys are looking at him like a monster like every, every serial killer right I've said it before this is a guy who was a good dad you know exactly. a, a decent husband and has a good sense of humor yeah you know who less it's it's not like watching a horror movie. This isn't Jason Voorhees we're talking about. Yeah. This isn't Freddy Krueger. This isn't Michael Myers. Exactly. This is a real freaking person. Yeah. Well, well Hollywood, Hollywood has a that. way of demonizing everybody. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, oh, I mean, yes. Totally. I mean, I watched, uh, I watched the series Dexter. And, I, I mean, it was, it's a nice series. And, you know, and then the, the new, the new, when Dexter gets killed by his son type of thing. How stupid was it? They they took a, a, a good show and destroyed it uh-huh. at the very end because here he is dating a cop of all things. You no, know, seriously. I mean, if he's gonna he's gonna stay away right. from the limelight, why would he date a cop? Because the cop is gonna exactly. dig up his, his background. <laughs> you would I know, think, right? I know. I, I dated a gal there in Fresno, California. That was her father was the sheriff. When I found out his father was the sheriff, and here I'm still married, right? I said, oh, I'm shit. not here. I laughed. Yeah. I didn't want to be in the area <laughs> because I, no way did I want her going to daddy and saying, I've been dating this guy, you know, and he's, right. 
and then all of a sudden he digs up, finds I'm married, I'd be pulled over and probably shot alongside the highway. Right. <laughs> Only here in Vancouver, Washington, I, I, because I have that long history yeah. with Vancouver PD. So, um, no, because, I mean, yeah, that last, I mean, the last season, that Dexter remake or whatever they did, that new season they did, I yeah. think they released that in an effort to try to apologize for the last season of the original series. And it wasn't even the last season. It was the last episode. That's a yeah, bullshit the last season, ending. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. But, um, no, I love my friend got me hooked on Dexter, and now no, I, no, I don't. I don't even get mad whenever I watch a TV show, no matter what the ending is. But that's the only one ever that you yelled that at I, the TV. I did. <laughs> I was sitting there and I watched that. I'm, so I yelled I'm, at it. I'm, I'm like, tell you "What the when, flying hills is?" So when uh, the the true crime writer Matthew William Phelps. All right, it looks like we got cut off, but here's part two of that phone call. <laughs> Welcome back, <Okay>. Keith. <laughs> All right, so we were talking about the Dexter series now. I'm going to have to uh, go back in time here to uh, September of 2011 when I got a letter from a Matthew William Phelps. He's a uh, true crime writer. Right. He has about 30 books out there, and he wanted me my help to do Dark Minds on uh, on Investigation Discovery Channel. And, uh, and, and if you don't know what this series is about, it's basically we're rehashing old cases. He's going and and. I'm given a bunch of information on the case, and I give my best guess scenario being a killer that calls in on the phone. Okay. And they, they and I, I did season two and three, and I was raving on on Dark Minds and you know, on Were you really? Shows, you know, pardon? Were you really? Because I watched that series. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm raving. I'm raving okay. on, on seasons two and three. Uh, season one, I think, was Joel Rifkin or someone like that. They was number thirteen. Was a caller was number thirteen. Wow. But anyway, one of the one of the things that uh, Phelps had said was that he was the uh, a consultant for the Dexter series back in season five. That's what he told me, and I'm and of course I've gone like, well, now when they started showing the Dexter series here in prison, and I was watching it. I was looking for the credits to see where Phelps lined up, and I never saw it, right? Uh So I I confronted him, and I said, you know, I've been watching the Dexter series. I didn't see you on any of the, on the the ticker tape behind it. I I didn't see any any credits that you were were actually a consultant. They had someone like Phelps or someone else in there. They didn't have him. Right. And uh, he said, I never told you that. And I said, well, yes, you did. But... He did. He had said that because he wanted me to feel at ease that he had, was in the know of things. I guess. Right. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Just... Well, see, and he's—that's the guy, Scott, too. That you and I read that article that said that when he had mentioned to you one time when he talked to you on the phone that he had to go because he had to go to his daughter's hockey game or something like that. Oh, and that the asshole! Next time he called, you asked about his daughter's game, and he felt uncomfortable that he had given you too much personal that information. That guy, okay. Well, because at first I almost had this guy's back because, like in the music industry, when I'm working on a project, I'm not on the album. I go and I fix it, and then somebody else right. records it. Right, but no, this is, I know who he's talking about. So I know who he's talking about yeah. now too. No, you know what? Piss on that dude. Like honestly, <laughs> because that when when I read that well, guy's article, actually after pissed. the whole after I done the whole series with him. And then he he'd done a book called Dangerous Ground. It was mostly about him. It wasn't about me. It was about you know being me, me being Raven and so forth. But he, was, he 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 talked about how when he talked to me that it made him sick. 
right, that he that, had. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it dragged him down. It was like uh, he had a, he had a whole b- bunch of issues. Yeah. yeah, he said the same thing in his article. You're damn cri- yeah. I said to him, you're a damn crime writer. What the hell do you mean getting sick? Hello. You come to prison. You come to prison to talk to killers on in, in, on yeah. prison, and then if it makes you sad, sick, why are you here? Yeah, that's exactly what I said to Scott because we read that part in the article and how he he became so depressed and everything that it like affected his marriage and stuff like that. And I looked at Scott. I said, you know what? Therapists have therapists. Why is this guy not in yeah. therapy already? Because when you do something like what Scott and I do, I mean. You have to compartmentalize, but Scott and I like what counsel each other as well as our own therapist. Well, mostly you for, know? for me, it's over whenever we do anything with killing yeah. kids. But here's the thing: is well, like you when know. you meet Keith in person, you know, yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to talk to you, uh, talk, talk about you like you're not here, Keith. But he's very personable. <laughs> no. Our visit was tremendous. I mean, we we had a good time. We talked back and forth. Granted, it was a little loud in there, and the bad thing is like Keith's hearing sucks. But so oh, does mine. I was gonna say so does yours. So did you sign language each other? I think that's a, that's <laughs> the next step for Keith and I. We gotta learn sign language, and then when we're in the visit, we were just gonna be signing each other. And <laughs> just... Hope that nobody thinks we're throwing gang signs or something. <laughs> so, yeah, because he also because what's his name Phelps also said that um, that how did he put it that you would tell jokes that were off color that only you know that weren't funny or whatever that were kind of deranged in yeah, a way deranged yeah in it, a way. It was something like well, that well when we, yeah us killers we have this uh, it, it doesn't it falls not just for, for people that are killers but anybody in the killing business which means the mort- morticians and right. the police departments they all have their little quirks right that they they justify their jobs with okay you know, it's like it's like me standing there with a, a truck driver in a, in a truck stop, and he's talking about being in Vietnam and having these been trained as a trained killer. And he has his hands up there, and he's telling me in the slim pickings, kind of a uh, you know, kind of a talk. He says, "These hands are lethal weapons." I'm looking at him like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it's only it's only, only lethal dead. when you're masturbating, could, homie. <laughs> I could I could run faster than he can walk, right? <laughs> or he could, you know, I could walk faster than he could run. One of the two. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy that the, he has tied himself up to what he was back in Vietnam when he was 140 pounds soaking wet, and now I was looking at a guy that was probably 350 plus. Right. <laughs> and five you foot know, five. You know, yeah. These hands, these hands are lethal weapons. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah. Okay. You don't see my hands. Exactly. I was going to say, did you hold them up and say, let's compare, buddy, let's compare? No, I don't even want to go down that road with these guys. Yeah. Like in prison here, you listen to guys about how they're the greatest fighters in the world. When you you finally see them out in the yard, ten seconds later, they're done. (laughs) They're tired and they're sitting off the side going like, oh, man, I wish the cops would hurry up and get here so we could stop this damn fight. <laughs> yeah. Wish they'd hurry up yeah. and sound the alarm so everybody got to get down on their stomachs, right? Yeah, I made a mistake. Hurry up and call so that I don't have to fight anymore so I can go straight to the hole. This is just not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. The, what's funny is he's talking about this, and I'm picturing episodes of Lockup because I was addicted to that show, too. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you know, I, I've watched Lockup, and I think that's a, that's a show that's you know, it, it's it's geared up for people. To, you know, there's a lot of you know, these people that go in lockup have no idea what jail's like. Oh yeah, totally. 
but but they also know they have an out. This is the problem with the show. They have an out. Yeah. They can they can tap out like like you know naked and afraid. They can tap out when when everything gets bad and they think, oh my god, everything's going to go down go south on them. They are these. Uh, oh I yeah, get the you're talking about sixty days in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sixty days in. Yeah, I've been yeah, watching just, that too. They, they just they got to get out of there because they don't want to deal with uh, you know the fights or whatever's coming down. Oh yeah. But they're tattletale. You find out that most of these guys are are rats. Oh yeah. Yeah, they, totally. They will tell on you. Yeah. They're they're talking about you know the guys. This guy's got drugs, and this guy's just got this and this and this, and oh my God, the horror of it all. Well, they 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 would be beat down in jail because they couldn't get out, right? Oh yeah, they totally. start telling. They would start telling, and they would be the ones we beat down all the time. Yeah, those are the ones that would be in protective custody. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly. <laughs> Very quickly. I mean, Very is, quickly. You have to, in order to survive prison. County jail is not prison. Oh no, not at I all. I remember. I remember when I was in Wyoming. I went back down. This is kind of kind of crazy little story, but I went to Wyoming and I was facing the possible death sentence there uh, for the murder of Angel Sabriz, the one I dragged under my truck for 12 miles down right. Interstate 80. Now, I actually killed her in Nebraska. I never killed her in, in Wyoming. The only reason I was in Wyoming was because of a jailhouse rat named Ken Montsabrotten, also known as Duke had uh, made a deal. He was in jail for rape with a knife, and he got dropped down to sexual misconduct if he was going to testify against me in Wyoming. <coughs> anyway, I'm over in Wyoming, and I'm sitting there in the Laramie County Jail, and and one night this guy comes in on, out, off the street, and uh, he comes in, I'm playing cards, and he's like, uh, I'm going to have those cards when, I'm, when, when you get done with that game. Those are my cards, kind of like, I looked up at him like, yeah, right. And then he walked over to the TV set, changed the channel on front of these three little Mexicans that were sitting there watching it. And uh, the Mexicans looked over at me like wanted me to do something because they knew that I was possible facing death sentence. And all those guys were in prison for, or jail or for resentencing. Right. They'd already done a dime in prison. They just wanted me to take care of it because I had more time to do. Right. And so I, I walked over to the guy and I said, hey, man, um, we need to talk. And so I, I threw a blanket over the top of the stairs. There's a little bench underneath the stairs, and I, I dragged him over there. And I said, what are you in prison? What are you here in jail for? <clears throat> and he said, I was speeding through town doing 80 miles an hour, and they finally caught up to me. And I was, you know, and his girlfriend's over there in the other place, and we're just, I'm a badass. And I said, you know, county jail, is you just never know who you're going to run into in here. Right. I said, I could, I said to him, I can kill you and it's free. <laughs> right. Right. Because I'm facing a possible death sentence, so I can kill you and it's just a freebie. I can get over, you know, I can just do that. Right. Those three guys over there, they've been here, they've been 10 years in prison. I suggest you go change the channel back to what they were watching because they'd like to stab you right now. Yeah. I said, now I'm, I, I told them I already had three life sentences and you're using nothing. As far as I was concerned, I could just take him out and that'd be the end of it. Right. In the morning, you know, he's really quieted down. He turned white. I bet he did. He quieted down, and the next morning he was pounding on the door. Get me out of here! I gotta go! I gotta go! And it was it was it was hilarious. Right. Because people don't know exactly. Oh, excuse me. When they come to county jail, that who they're dealing with. You have people there that are being resentenced. You have people there that are facing death sentences, facing 
a life in prison and stuff like when I when I came to Clark County there's 30 cases I have to deal with with people in that pod in all different stages of their trials and so forth so they're all in different they're all so I got to watch how the system works in their progressive state right on how their cases were developing and it was a very eye-opening experience so you know you want to learn the law go to county jail sit there for six months and watch how all these cases develop around you oh yeah totally yeah. i mean because here I've... you guys i had a guy in there it was, it was they offered him 11 years on a rape charge and uh, he said I'm, I'm going to prove they lied to me they, li- they were lying about it and i said at the very end when they prove, when you prove they lied, but at the same time you're still guilty, you're going to wish you had taken that 11 years. And when, of course, he went to trial, they gave him 27 years. Wow. And then he said, then I asked him, I said, were you really guilty? He said, yes. And I said, well, then why didn't you take your deal? Well, I wonder if they'll give me the deal now, he said. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is their, their mindset. Yeah. No, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember when I was in county, I had kind of a similar experience. There's this big girl who was a trustee and everything, and I was only 18, 18, 19 years old. And she thought she was all big and tough and everything, and I'd already been there for three months. And she started acting all tough, trying to change the channel on us in the day room, you know, taking the cards away from us, all that other stuff. And I said, you know what? You're a trustee. You're going to get out tomorrow. And she goes, well, what are you here on? I said, I'm being charged with murder. You want to find out if it's true? And she just shut up. It's like they only want somebody. To, they want somebody to stand up to them. You know what I mean? It's like most bullies. Though. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's the same thing. I, I ran into the same thing with, in high school because I had, you know, fairly thick southern accent. Really, yeah. Georgia? Yeah, I know. It's just amazing, <laughs> huh? And uh, you know, you get these, you get these people who go, "Oh, I think I can push over the big giant hillbilly," and it's like, um, "No, hoss, you ain't gonna do that." That's right. why I fought so much, you know. And as soon as they realize that you'll knock them out, they'll go, "Oh." Maybe, just maybe, <laughs> we shouldn't mess with this person because that is a bad idea. Good yeah. idea, leave him alone. Bad, bad idea, idea. <laughs> screw with him. Yeah. So, um, well, you just never know who you're going to run up against. That's true. And Usually, like they said, the quiet ones. Yeah. The quiet ones are the ones you got to watch out for. We'll see. And which, comes, sh- which brings us back to how I how I saw myself out on the real world. I was just. I'm one of those guys that'll sit back and watch things happen. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna watch. I'm not gonna talk a whole lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go off and do my own little. I'm very. Uh, my mother always said I was. Um, I was very comfortable being by myself. Right. And I could sit on a you know when I was a kid I could sit on a pile of dirt. And play in the dirt. And everything was just okay. Right. <clears throat> I did not need to have, like, like my father made the, uh, you know, the the wrist rocket, the precursor to the wrist rocket slingshot. Okay. You know, I didn't have to have that to go shoot people in the butt with it <laughs> to have entertainment. There you go. I could I could sit there and and play in the dirt, make tunnels and all kind of stuff, and have my own little world going. Right. Without having to worry about what's going on in the rest of the world. See, that was just like me when I was growing up. All I really needed was that very, my very first guitar that I got at four years old, and I 
would be by myself forever because, you know, well, we even to this day, I'd rather play guitar than hang out with most I see, people. But you're still aware of what's going on around you, too, Oh, though, yeah, right? no, totally. To- well, I had to be, man, because if my well, if my family found out that I was trying to learn Ozzy Osbourne songs. Oh, my God, you were the devil. Yeah, then mm-hmm. I'm inviting Satan into our house. That and was the uh, devil. Yeah, <laughs> being, <laughs> being raised Southern Baptist, man, I tell you what, I think they would have burned me at the stake. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> But, I mean, but you were too, right, Keith? When you were, like, in your own little world, you were still aware of what was going on around you. you know? Yeah, I just, I just didn't want to be around. I didn't want to be around. See, my brothers and sisters, they, they were, they're like these kids and these people in that uh, 60 days in. They would tell on me if I got <laughs> any. You know, you know what? They my couldn't help it. <laughs> they, they, it seemed like that anytime I would get into trouble... And they knew about it. I knew I better go tell my parents that I was in trouble before they got there because they would make it worse than it, than it was. Right. You know, it just seemed like they wanted to tell on me more. It, it's more about self-preservation on their part. Right. No, I if mean, If I'm in trouble, yeah. then they're not. <laughs> That's right, right? I know. My sister yeah. and I used to do the same thing. We used to do stuff that my stepdad hated us doing. And then we would be in the middle of it, and she'd go, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, next thing I know, I look up, and my stepdad's in the door, and my sister's behind him giggling. I'm like, you little snitch. <laughs> yeah, so, well, that's yeah. it. You know, this is, so I found it best that, you know, for a lot of times to stay away from the trouble. Right. Or possible trouble. Right. So my, 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 my younger brother had his friends. My older brother had his friends. And my friends were... People that my dad didn't like. <laughs> oh, okay. So most of my friends were were uh, like Joe Smoker. He's an Indian, right? Now you'd call him a Native American, but and his his you know half sister and that. I got along with them. Okay. And let's just consider that them the the, the them that the, my father was. He'd get so upset that I bring him to my birthday party. Wow. You know it was. It was, it, was kind of, it, was, it was down those lines, right? right. So, uh, most of my friends were the ones that uh, nobody else wanted to hang around with. Okay. And that's been all through my life. Right. <laughs> I've we- had, uh, you know, in high school, I had my friend Jerry Day and I had Royce Knoyer. And uh, Royce, and, and, and then we had some of the friends like Makusha uh, McCormick and and Terry Lockett, and, and these are these girls that nobody else hung with. They weren't the in crowd, but they're our crowd, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't follow, you know, I had crushes on other girls that I wanted to, you know, be close to, but they, they just signed me off like I was nothing. Right. Or these other ones where I could I could actually talk to them, and they could be their just friends, you know. Colleen Jansen was a great-looking gal and everything, but she had a hard life after she got out of high school. But there were, there was, we had kind of our own little group. Right. And that's who we hung up with. And uh, now a lot of people would say, well, I was off-standish and I didn't, uh, didn't hang with the crowd. Well, that's fine. Right. I did my own little thing. I just, if I wanted to entertain myself, I entertained myself. I didn't have to find somebody to entertain it with me. Right. So, um, oh, hang on, I just lost my, okay, no. Um, so, was there a, a girl in high school that, um, 
you got along with, but she was just a really good friend because she was rather short and petite. And you were rather tall, and she was like, well, you know, we wouldn't match up very well. Well, yeah, I did. It was Janine Br- Brugnell. Okay. Janine is, ended up marrying a uh, sheriff, and they got a divorce. One of She eventually lived in the same mobile home park that I built. Oh, okay. And uh, I was at the Civic Center with her, and I was dating, I was dancing with her and stuff, and, and I really like her. I really do. I mean, I still do. I still like her um, as a person and everything. But I, I, re- I rationalized it out that I was so big, you know, she's like four foot eleven, five foot, <coughs> and I'm, you know, at the time I was six three. Right. And I thought, you know, even though, you know, I thought it wasn't going to be a good match, and so I, I didn't pursue it. Okay. And that would be more of what I said. I didn't pursue the. Uh, now there was another another gal uh, that I tried to date, and she was upset. To, and she was upset that I was too big. Oh. She actually brought it up that I was. Oh my God! I said you're you're so huge that you could do anything, and I couldn't have anything to say about. It. I said I told her I said that little guy over there you're going to date, he could do anything, and you're not going to do anything about it either. Right. Kind of a thing, you know. Wow. This is what you're you're dealing with. This is this is high school. This is how. You know, they, they all have their little quirks and stuff like that. Right, right. So, and, of course, everyone was small to me. Right, right. So I mean, how small do you want to, how many stages of small do you want to go down to? Right. <laughs> well, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a girl named Jane Trout that I had a crush on, and I mean, a real crush on. And even at my 20-year high school reunion, I still saw her there, and I danced with her and stuff. And she's just a great girl. Okay. They're just great people. And, but I never, I never made that connection. Wow. Now, there's, there's been several people probably said that knew I had a crush on her, but I, I couldn't follow through with it. I mean, it just, it just didn't work. Now, is did you not follow through or make that connection because you were you felt awkward or shy, or was it just it just didn't fall into place? with the person you know I think it was a, a combination of both okay. I was like a little off you know I just, you know you get kind of giddy right at that point kind of like yeah I really like to but how do I express my, my, my what I really want to say that's one of the problems I had was expressing the, the right words right right no I understand you know that. it's like what what is the right words I can tell the girl I'm not going to walk up to hey man I like spread your legs and play Right? No, I'm not going to say that. Why not? Scott does. No. Say, <laughs> I well, have to be have now, more tact than that. Now he does. <laughs> when you're in high school, you're not thinking like that. No, and that, I mean, that's not thinking true. like that, but I'm not. I don't want to follow through with this. You know, what what's the end result here? It's like watching watching a movie where the guy goes up and he said, "Let's just let's just skip all of this nonsense. Go straight to the body fluid exchange." Right. No, and I. And that doesn't work. You know, there's yeah, a slap there somewhere. Yeah, and that's true because I mean, through I mean, and as people are going through school and into high school and sometimes even into college, they're still developing who they are and their person, you know, their personality, who they want to portray themselves as. And a lot of times, talking like that doesn't come easy to people. Well, and even in high school for me, so I can totally relate where Keith's coming from because, believe it or not, don't laugh. I was shy. I was super shy in high school. For no goddamn good reason at all. And then, you know, I, I hit that age where I just didn't give a shit yeah. anymore. You know, so I went to work for Jerry Steel Supply at Yakima, and I was running, I was one of the only drivers. 
and uh, there's a gal that uh, Gail Curry, and she was in high school. She was a grade higher than I was in high school, and I really liked her too. Now she became a, a secretary for Jerry Steel Supply, and I remember walking in the back room one day, and I saw Dave Williams, our salesman, had his hand on her ass, and he was kind of fondling on her, and I said. And, and I caught him at it, and he was like, you know, a very tense moment, let's just say. And I had told her, I said, you know, I, I, I had feelings for her when in high school, but, you know, I'm not going to push myself on her in, in adult life <coughs> because she had enough problems already at work. You know, this harassed me. Yeah, they were, she was, a, you know, she's a very nice-looking lady. But, you know, it's just the way the, the way them workforce was at the time, I guess. The guy just, these guys, these guys are like wolves. They want to they wanna grab what they can. And, you know, Dave, the guy that was doing it, was, was married. I mean, he was just grabbing what he could because she was there. I was just, I just found it, I found it, you know, awkward that she would be in that position. Yeah, I, I looked at her. And I said, I, I actually sat. I said, man, you got enough problems, man. I was, you know, I would. I, she was engaged at the time to get married. And I don't know if she ever got did get married, but I found her to very be a very nice girl in high school as well as at that time later in life. Yeah. Sure, I'm bringing up names. I don't know if you want to put those names on the show, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, we don't filter that. We don't. We don't bleep anything. <laughs> if we but don't believe Scott, we're not going to believe you. Of, of, of all the girls I, I had a crush on, Gail Curry in high school, mm-hmm. that was a crush. And she was a she was very nice. And but but because she was an upper class, she was kind of like off limits. No, I understand that too. Yeah, my biggest crush was a senior when I was a freshman, and I to this day I remember his name. <laughs> my biggest crush was one of my now, teachers. Now, my I remember because when I got a car. Because I got a car, there's a girl named Robin Rucker. Robin Rucker got in my car with me, drove around with me, and I, and, and I was naive, let's just say, to watch her, what she really wanted out of it. But just because I had a car, she wanted to be with me. Oh, okay. She would have probably, she sat next, right next to me and everything. I think she wanted to play, but uh, at the very same time, I, said, I didn't really know where we wanted to go with this. She's a very pretty girl. Wow. But it had to do with had to do with the fact that I had a car, and I didn't like the idea that just because I had a car, that it was uh, a draw card for the girls, all the underclass women, girls. Oh yeah, totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. But um, so, what was your first car? My first car was a 1960 Oldsmobile Super 88. It had an automatic, it's white with red interior, and a 394 automatic. And uh, it was a great car until I started fiddling around with it with Auto Shop. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. That's what happens. Yeah. See, my first the moment, car. The moment, I, the moment Auto Shop came into my life. Oh yeah, take those heads off there. Let's just clean this out. Let's go do that. Let's go. Never get around to getting it done. Oh, right. You take it all apart, but you never so, put it back together. <laughs> well, yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. I could never get it to run right after I got a hold of it. So. Wow, that's yeah. crazy! But it was a nice car. It's a big, it's a big old boat. 
Wow. You know, it was one of the big old, big old Oldsmobile, and it was a great, great car. I was going to say, we uh, usually paid, remember only, our first I'll, cars. <laughs> I only paid four hundred dollars for it. See, I bought it out of pay, I bought it bought it out of Pingree Motors in Sheila, Washington. <laughs> and my dad, who was there with me, he filled the gas tank with, uh, you know, he said, you know, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for the first gas tank uh, car fill up, and that was like what twelve dollars. <laughs> if that 20, 20, 20 some gallons of gas. It was like it was gasoline at the time. I think it was thirty two cents. Yeah, a gallon, something like that. There wasn't a whole lot of money he paid out there to, to fill the tank, and that was. But you know, it, it was a nice car. It, it, it smoked a little bit, but no big deal. Right. My second, my second vehicle was a nineteen forty seven Willys CJ two A Jeep with a little. Half head motor in it. Nice. Little, you know, and I belonged to the at that time. I belonged to the Yakima Valley Mountaineer Jeep Club. Okay. Wow. And we used to go on Jeep runs and so forth. And, and how old were you yeah. then? You know, I was seventeen. Oh, wow. Yeah, seventeen, eighteen years old. And out of um, just out of high school, I sold that. And my next vehicle was a nineteen seventy four. Um, uh, Honda CB750. Okay. Motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. My first car was a 76 Chevy Camaro. That was competition orange. It had the uh, Power Glide transmission 305 in it. And when I got it, I bought it for 100 bucks. It had a Chilton's manual in the back, and that's how I learned how to work on cars. So is that my color orange? It's yeah, it's that, con- <laughs> yeah, it's that competition orange, except the paint job was all faded, and the rear uh, quarter panel was... Uh, was uh, now, had I been could probably right. go back and you know go back in time and try to figure out all the cars I used to have. Ah, and it's quite a few. Oh yeah, my <laughs> yep. first car was yep. a 1972 brown. One I mean, remaining crap brown Chevy Citation. So. <laughs> all right, yeah, that, we actually heard the one year, the one minute warning this time. Yeah. All okay. right. Right. Bye. 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 All right, that's some pretty good calls from Keith. I'm pretty happy with them. What do you think? Interesting. Um, I think what I found interesting, mo- most interesting about that is about how he talked about how he was sad that the family legacy would be him. No, no, I, I, you know? I, can, I can dig that, yeah. Yeah, so other than that, I mean, very interesting phone call so far. Right, right. Well, we're going to feature the next two, three of them on the next couple of ex- episodes. Remember that you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, or wherever you get your blogs. Check out our YouTube channel. But what else? We have a lot of crap going uh, on. Yeah, make sure you check us out on Facebook for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Twitter, use- if you can find us on there. We're going to try to like start tweeting more. Uh, you said YouTube, right? No, I think I did, yeah. Okay. That well, right. that's pretty much about it right now. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And remember, boys and girls, if you're hearing this on anybody else's show, they're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.